We're back into 2 Timothy, and we're still in chapter 1, and we're going to be verses 13 through 18 today, 13 through 18. I've titled the message today, Can We Count on You? Can We Count on You? Again, ask the Lord to speak to your heart more than I am and really try to hear his voice. Let's look together. 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 13, this is King James here to start off with. The word says, hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost, which dwelleth in us. And this thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are Phagelius and Hermogenes. The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. Verse 18, the Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. And in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. All right, let's do just a quick review of chapter one. You guys should have it there in front of you in your text as well. The first week, we really focused on fanning the flame of the gift of God in your life, right? And I don't want to beat, beat it to death, but I want you to be mindful, or mindful of the fact that we need to give oxygen to the Holy Spirit, okay? The Holy Spirit does not give you a spirit of fear, the Holy Spirit does not give you a spirit of anxiety. He does not give you a spirit of worriness. <laughs> the Holy Spirit gives you a spirit that is a spirit of power and of love. And King James says of a sound mind or of self-discipline. How many of us would today would say that probably one of the hardest things we have is self-discipline? Oh, I almost like I heard an amen there about maybe pass out, right? Are you disciplined in your finances? Are you disciplined in your eating habits? Are you disciplined in your sleeping habits? Are you disciplined in your exercise habits? Are you disciplined in your prayer life and in your scripture reading and in your witnessing and in your giving? Anybody need a hand with self-discipline? Hey, thank you. All right. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to do the things that we need to do. It's again, it's the whole idea of being unstuck is that we have to trust the Spirit of God. Everything that we're going to try to do this week the, the, the devil has already been on the attack against Michael, trying to wear him out and wear him down. And I tried to encourage him that all that means is that something good is about to happen and you don't have to be strong. Don't worry about being strong. As men, we like to be strong. We like to have it all together and like to say, I'm going to show the devil, but that's not how it works. What the Lord says is uh, let your weakness, I'll be strong. So come weak and that's okay. All right. Let's seek out the Lord today and let's give oxygen that he can fan the flame of the gift of God. Then last week, the thing that stuck out with me the most, and maybe you pulled something different away, but the thing that really lasted with me was have you entrusted your life and your death to God? You can say, Lord, I give you my life, but have you given your death to the Lord? When you go, when it's the Lord time to take you, can you trust him with that? And trust him that the time that he has for you is the right amount of time and that he knows what's best and that you want to make the most of the time you have, but also knowing that when you die, what is next is so much better than what is now, right? 
Will you entrust your life and your death to the Lord? And then in that idea of entrusting is that idea that the Lord has entrusted us with gifts and we need to guard them. We're going to talk about that today. All right, let's start this morning. Verse 13, first thing I want to remind you is the truth matters. The truth matters. Paul writing to Timothy, verse 13 says, what you've heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Is there such a thing as truth today? (laughs) You know what the world will tell you today? There is no absolute truth. And you know how I usually end up hearing this from someone is just like this. Well, Travis, you just, you do you. What does that mean? You do you. Well, I'll tell you how it usually feels to me is, well, if you think Jesus is the only way to heaven, that's fine. You do you, but I don't think that way. So I'm going to do what I want to do. Well, if you think trying to live a holy life and honor God with your life is fine, you think there really is a God beyond this world, that's great, but I don't really believe that, so you do you. There's no absolute truth, which is kind of hilarious when you think about that statement, right? There is no absolute truth. What is that statement? It's an absolute, trying to be a truth, (laughs) right? Truth matters. And this is so important today, and I really, I beg of you, this is why you need to be in the Word. This is why either with on a Wednesday night or a Sunday school class or with a buddy, you need to be walking through the Word of God so you can know the truth. Because everything around you is going to try to tell you that you do you, and truth is really not that important. If it works for you, great. If it doesn't, let it work for someone else, but that is not how it works. The Creator that designed us, He said, this is how it's supposed to work. Have you ever tried to use something the way it's not supposed to be worked or built or applied? (laughs) Most of us, or I shouldn't say most of us, most of me, when I get something, I open up and I try to start going to it. And then I look at the directions and say, oh, that's how that was supposed to work. And a lot of us do that with our life as well, right? I want to try this and do this and do this. And then we go to the scripture and we're like, oh, that's how that was supposed to work, right? Truth matters. So Paul here with some very strong words, he starts out and he says, what you have heard from me. Are you strong enough to tell that to someone who's walking alongside of you in Christ? He didn't say what you have heard from Jesus, Timothy, make sure you take care of that. He didn't say what you heard from Peter, take care of that. No, what did he say? What you have heard from me, then those things you need to keep. That takes some serious guts, doesn't it? He's telling Timothy, you walk like I walk. The things I say, you heed the things I say. How can he say that? Is he God? No, but he is following Christ. And as he is following Christ, he can tell the people next to him, you follow me as I follow Jesus. I pray that for you guys today, everybody in here, that you could tell people in your life, you follow me. That's a really hard thing to say, isn't it, right? We don't like to say that, right? Don't follow me. Uh, I, don't, I don't want you to follow. You follow Jesus. But Paul doesn't say that. He says, you, the things you have heard from me, you keep those things. Again, what you heard from me, imitate me, be like me. And the only way you can say that is he is like Jesus. Can you tell others today, be like me? 
Or are you one of those people that says, do what I say, not what I do? You ever told your kids that? Your kids can pick up your hypocrisy in seconds, can't they? I mean, it's just like, boom, there it is, <laughs> right? Don't be that way. Be able to tell the people around you, do what I do. Again, the truth matters. Here Paul says, says to Timothy, sound teaching, healthy teaching, teaching the truth. It does matter what you say and what you do. This is an awesome quote I want to share to you today from Joseph Sobrin. And I hope you'll take this the right way, especially in our culture. But we are not called to be cool, but to practice the truth. Did you hear me? We're not called to be cool or hip or relative or current. We're called to live with the truth. Look at this quote. It can be exalting or uplifting to belong to a church that is 500 years behind the times and sublimely indifferent to fashion. It is mortifying to belong to a church that is five minutes behind the times, huffing and puffing to catch up. Whoa. You get what he's saying? We live in an age where some churches are five minutes behind the times. Whenever the latest, greatest, coolest thing is, they're trying to figure out how their church can do that next thing. And he says, I'd be glad to be 500 years behind the times and not worry about it if truth is what matters. You think about that process. Let me know if you have questions. I thought that was a really good quote. Now, again, hear me out this morning. It cannot just be words. Truth cannot just be words. Again, Paul says to Timothy, with faith and love. Truth must be accompanied by faith and also by love. Truth without faith and love is what? It is cruel, right? Have you ever had that discipline in your life without love? Discipline without love is cruel. It's, it's horrible. And sometimes as Christians, we do the same thing. We do truth without love. And Paul didn't tell Timothy to do that. He said, do truth, keep the things you have heard from me, the sound teaching with faith and love in Christ. We need a vibrant faith and a compassionate spirit and a truthful word, and we need them all together. You didn't hear that, did you? We need a vibrant faith, a compassionate spirit, and a truthful word, and we need all of them together. And I'm here to tell you today, right now, some of you, all of us, are stronger in one of those areas than the other, right? Some of you guys have ridiculous faith. You blow my mind. Like the worst thing can be going on, or you're like, you need something big to happen, and you're like, oh, Lord will take care of it. I know he will. And I'm over here like, I don't know if he will. I don't know if he will. <laughs> and you're like, no, no, I know he's got it. And their faith is amazing. Some of you, your compassion is through the roof, right? Some of you, when I walk with you through downtown, when we're walking around people, the way that you just go up and you touch someone and you speak love and you try to touch and help in that situation, your compassion is amazing. And some of you know the word of God and you know what is right and you know what is true. But very few of us have all of those things at a high level. And sometimes they get out of balance, don't they, right? We all know what we're talking about, right? Sometimes you run across someone and you're a lot more about the truth than you are about compassion. Or you run into a situation and you're a lot more worried because the faith is not there, even though the truth tells you it should be. What I want to challenge you this morning is where are you weak? Are you more likely to focus on what is right than loving 
are you more focused on being right than really believing and acting and doing? Are you more concerned about appearing to love than to speak truthfully? And so I challenge this first thing this morning, ask the Lord to help you speak the truth while acting in faith and love. The truth matters. Okay, let's look down at verse 14. Guard the deposit. Guard the deposit. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. What did Paul say last week? I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to what? To keep, to guard (laughs) that which I have committed or entrusted to him against that day. Does that sound familiar? Keep and guard, commit and trust. Those are in verse 14, aren't they? Look back at the passage, right? Paul says, I have found this, Timothy, and now I want you to do what I'm saying. I want you to keep or to guard what was entrusted or committed to you with the help of the Holy Spirit. This seems like the same message every week, doesn't it? It's because it is. You, in order to please the Lord, are going to need the help of the Holy Spirit. This is not a church where we say, come in and we tell you, better yourself. Be stronger, be smarter, be faster, be more powerful, be more self-disciplined. We don't do that because we know we're going to fail at it. But with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can guard what's entrusted to us. And today, you've got to give oxygen to the Holy Spirit in your life for him to, to fan that flame, to do those things. Again, guard what you've been given. I love this picture here because you have the Lord guarding and then you have us guarding. So it's not just like sit back and say, oh, God, do great things, right? I mean, we could all just sit on the pews here next Sunday, and we could just pray, Lord, feed all the people downtown who are hungry. Amen? Would that be a good prayer? Sure. And we could just sit here and sit here and sit here, but there's a time to act, right? And the same thing is laid out here. God guards what he's entrusted to us but we need to guard. Do you guard the gifts that you've been given or are you squandering the things that the Lord has been given? That is the challenge here. Can I speak very kind of clearly with you here this morning or bluntly? You are going to be tempted to quit many times on this journey. Amen? I'm tired. I can't, this is the eighth time I thought this person was going to help me, and they didn't help me. We're going to talk about that in just a second. Is God ever going to help me out? It seems like I'm the one trying to follow him, and it just seems struggle after struggle. I don't want to do it anymore. Hello? You're going to feel like quitting. When you quit, that is to give up on what was entrusted to you. Don't quit, but again, you're going to need the help of the Holy Spirit. We've got to daily guard the deposit, (laughs) right? How often do you check what you have in the bank? You never look at it, right? Maybe when you got to do taxes once a year, you see what's in there, and then you go on with your life, amen? Wendy's laughing because I think that's her philosophy. 
For the rest of you, how often do you check? Some of you probably know right now exactly what's in your account, right? You are, Scott says yes, you are guarding your deposit, right? I got to know if I've been hacked or somebody's, or if my kids took some money, they were, or my wife or my husband is spending more than this. I'm guarding the deposit and I do it every day. How often do you guard the deposit that the Lord entrusted to you? I don't think about it very often. Maybe, you know, once or twice a year, I do a little re- reflection. <laughs> you better check it every day. You better make sure you're doing the things that is developing you, again, that's fanning that flame, that the Lord can live out your life like it needs to be lived out. Guard the good deposit and do it every day. Now, when we ask the Lord to help us, and we're getting guided to do that right here in verse 14, um, he will deliver. Now, the way that he delivers is kind of interesting to me, and I think, Michael, I don't want to steal a bunch of his thunder, but I think you're going to see as we go through this series that oftentimes the Lord delivers you through the help of other people. Part of helping you guard the deposit is God puts people around you to help you say, you're not quitting today, (laughs) right? Get up. I'm with you. I'm on your team. I'm beside you. I'm here with you as well. And we're going to look at that as well in just a second. So my challenge to you again today is don't don't quit. Keep guarding. Keep guarding. This was kind of humorous. Uh, Yesterday, Daniel Edwards, he's pastor down in near Edwardsville. And he has a little son. I think he's probably like second grade or third grade. And Lincoln is his name, his son's name. He had his first basketball game yesterday. And afterwards, Daniel was talking to him about playing defense, about guarding. I told him he needed to stay closer to the player he was guarding. Here was his response. Well, Dad, COVID is still lurking. (laughs) For a little second grader to say that, to talk like that, right? We make all kinds of excuses about guarding, don't we? Right? If there's ever a time to guard, it's when everything else has got an excuse why you can quit, you can give up, you don't need to do it. We need to step up into it, right? We need to guard the deposit. Again, here is the reminder I would share with you today. There will always still be something lurking, won't there? There's always going to be an excuse. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. I've got to take care of all these other things or all these other people. There's always going to be an excuse to say, just quit, just give up, right? There's always something still lurking, but we cannot make excuses. We've got to keep guarding. We can't quit, but we need the help of the Holy Spirit and through him, each other to keep going. Diane was trying to tell you today, hey, I'm praying for you. I heard a neat thing on Moody Radio yesterday. This one lady was, she had organized a barge off of Indonesia and turned it into a hospital. That was her dream. So now there's this floating barge that goes around these ports in Indonesia, and it helps people who are in need, who don't have a lot of money, to have a hospital off the ports. Wow. And what she said was really interesting. She said one of her closest people that really made a difference in her life was someone who said, I want to pray for you, not for the barge, not for the ministry of the barge, but I want to pray for you. And she needed that, didn't she? And it meant so much to her for this mentor woman to say, I am praying for you, not for your ministry. I'll pray for your ministry, but I'm praying for you that the Lord will will hold you up. Hear the Lord today. He's trying to tell us that we need to pray for each other, right? 
guard the deposit daily. Don't let it go. We need the help of each other. We need the Holy Spirit. All right. So here we get to it. This is kind of the bottom point, the point of the message, verse 15. Can we count on you? Verse 15, Paul says, Timothy, you know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phygelus and Hermogenes. Another silly question, but have you ever been abandoned? We all have, right? But let's be honest, and this really hurts me to the core, but there's some people, some young people in our church family who've been abandoned by their own family. And that kills my soul, right? So when we talk about have you ever been abandoned, even we have smaller people here today that they know that feeling. They know what it is. Paul says he was abandoned. Have you ever felt like you were accomplishing something with someone only to see them leave you on your own? Now, that's a tough place to be in in any relationship, right? But I'm going to tell you this morning, it is especially tough in ministry. It is hard to think we're going to this together. We're serving the Lord together. We're walking this path together. And then to find yourself that the people that you thought were with you, that they're not with you. And it doesn't have to be your plan and your dream and your vision, but just the fact that you're trying to do something together. And then all of a sudden, it's like, where'd you go? Paul says that here about two people. Well, in a broader sense, he says those in Asia, but then he points out these two people. It's a hard lesson in life to find out that people abandon you. And what's sometimes even harder, it's hard to find out that sometimes church people will abandon you and let you down sometimes. Okay. Now here's the deal. We're not perfect, right? And I'm not talking about when you forget to help do this or that, or you, you forgot to show up for this or that, or you weren't able to meet this need or that need but I'm talking when your pattern is you just step away from someone that you know you are committed to. And that's what we're looking at here today. Why did these two guys leave? Why did Phygelus and Hermogenes leave? We're, we're not told why, but I want to kind of make an inference here. It's a little penology, but you see what you think. And I think it had a fact that the idea was that the Christians there in Rome were being persecuted and they found out if I'm here in Rome, there's really a huge risk to me and I don't want to make that risk. You can imagine, especially being from a different location, right? People from Asia who are coming into Rome are already outsiders. And now they're associating with someone based on faith who's been thrown into a Roman prison. And if word gets out that you're not only a, an immigrant, but you're associating with a jailbird, what's going to happen to you? I don't think I want that. And again, that's some penology. You pray about it, look at it, but you're going to see here with Onesiphorus, he was not afraid. He was not ashamed of Paul's chains. And my guess is that Phygelus and Hermogenes, they were. And can I be real careful here? The Lord just convicted me heavy on this this morning. We need to be careful that we're not ashamed of the chains and the persecution of our brothers and sisters. I was reading some illustrations last night, and it was of some people who were persecuted who were saying, where are our brothers and sisters in the other parts of the world? Why aren't they speaking up for us? Right? Are we speaking up for the persecuted? We, I think we do a great job of praying and letting people understand and know, but I, I was really challenged. that are, are we being a voice for those 
who don't have a voice where we can, right? I want to make sure that I'm not abandoning someone that I need to be standing with. And you follow the Lord's lead on that and guidance on that, but you can see that here today that Paul was discouraged because these two guys and some others had abandoned him. So my question again, can you be counted on? And here's what I'm saying. Be careful with this. I'm not trying to overpressure you. I'm not asking if you'll be perfect or that you will never forget an appointment or be unable to accomplish a task. We all deal with these issues, but can we be counted on to care for one another when it really matters? And again, I love you guys, and I hope that you love me too, but it's one thing to say, I'll pray for you. It's another thing to show up on your doorstep when you need something, right? Please, the prayer is so important. Don't get me wrong. And one is not more important than the other, but following the Lord's lead, when the Lord calls us, we can't just sit. When the Lord moves us, we have to move. We have to act. We have to do. We need to be able to count on one another. And that's what Paul here is trying to teach Timothy that we need to be able to count on one another. We need to do our best to make sure that no one in our church family feels deserted or abandoned. Hear me again. They may be lonely, but they should never be truly alone. Right? We have people in our congregation who feel lonely. That's part of life. But they should also know, and we should make them know, that they are not by themselves. So what can we do? Well, Phygelus and Hermogenes, they're examples of what not to do, but Onesiphorus is a good example of what to do. Look down at verse 16. May the Lord show mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my change. Now look at verse 17. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. If you don't have that verse underlined or whatever, that'd be a good one to remember. He searched hard for me until he found me. Verse 18, may the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. Paul is so thankful for Onesiphorus. You've probably had an Onesiphorus in your life before too, right? Somebody that didn't let you down, somebody that sought you out, someone that was there for you. That's what Onesiphorus is to Paul. So Paul says, God, be merciful to him, and not just to him, but what else? Did you catch that? To his household, right? Here's something I think is pretty powerful. When you are living according to sound doctrine, when you are recognizing the truth matters, when you are honoring the Lord, not only is that going to be a blessing for you, but what? It's going to be a blessing to those around you, right? When you make the right decisions and you honor God, that's going to help the people who are beside you. And Paul says, bless his household. Again, I love this about Onesiphorus. He was not ashamed. He was willing to take the risk. Paul was accused. Paul was slandered. And yet Onesiphorus stood strong. He would risk persecution and embarrassment to show kindness to his friend in need, his friend in chains. Would you visit a Christian brother or sister in jail? Or would you be embarrassed? Would you be too scared what other people might think about that situation? Would you be too scared for your own safety? Wow, right? Onesiphorus is in a town where Christians very likely, a little bit after this time, are going to be fed to lions, literally, in a Roman amphitheater. 
And he says, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm with that guy in jail. His name's Paul. He's my friend, and I love him, and I'm here to try to help him out. Whoa. That's a friend, isn't it, right? That's a faith that is powered by the Holy Spirit. Again, I love what Paul said about him. He looked hard until he found me. You know what it is to look hard? The preacher knows what it is to not look hard. Wendy, where are my shoes? Did you look in the closet? Oh, no, not yet. Wendy, where are my socks? Did you look in the drawer? Well, not yet. Anybody else identify with that? I can't find a thing. But a lot of times, I don't look that hard. If you want to, most of you live in the suburbs around Indianapolis, don't you? Where are the homeless people? I don't see any homeless people. Are you looking that hard? Where are the people who don't have anybody visiting them? I don't know anybody that doesn't have someone that visits them or loves them. Have you been to a nursing home? Where are there people who are abandoned or dealing with drug addiction or alcohol addiction? I don't think there are really that many people around. I don't, I don't know where they're at. Have you been to the jail? Have you been to a recovery session? Have you been to your neighbor's house? <laughs> It's everywhere, right? And sometimes we don't find what we need to because we don't look that hard. Paul says about Onesiphorus, he searched for me until he found me. He looked for me until he found me. And that's why I care about him. And that's the kind of people we need to be, amen? We need to look for people that the Lord has put in our heart till we find them. And sometimes a person is right in front of us, but the person we're looking for has been crushed by shame and guilt and depression and addiction, and they're down deep, and we got to look for them till we find them. Don't quit on them. I'll preach it to me more than any of you. Don't quit on those people. Look until you find them. And that's what Paul says about Onesiphorus. He didn't abandon me. He didn't quit on me. <laughs> he looked until he found me, and I love him. Excuse me. Again, about looking hard. Excuse me just a second. <coughs> I remember my grandpa. <clears throat> I've told this story before, but it's so good. I was going to preach a revival in Decatur, my home church. And we go on visitation. Of course, grandpa, he would go on visitation usually two nights a week. <clears throat> and we go to this guy's house. And grandpa's trying to have me take the lead. He's trying to develop this young whippersnapper preacher, right? <clears throat> Travis, go up and knock on that door. We're trying to find somebody to invite him to the revival meeting. So I go up to the door. I don't think anybody's here, Grandpa. No, 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 just try it again. Maybe, I, I felt like I waited two hours, and it was probably 15 seconds. No, no, I don't think anybody's here. So Grandpa comes up to the door. <laughs> He's just about to tear the door down. And we wait, and we wait, and we keep waiting. I'm like, Grandpa, I don't think anybody's here. And he, he bangs again. Still nothing. I'm like, okay, shoo, nothing. Then what does my Grandpa do? He walks around the back of the house. And if I remember right, there was a chain-link fence with a gate. He opens the gate and goes in the gate. Who does that, right? And he starts hollering. I don't remember the guy's name. We'll just say it was Joe. Hey, Joe, Joe, where are you? I'm like, what are you doing? And finally, he gets into the garage door and yanks on the garage door, bangs on the garage door, and guess who opens the door? Joe. 
my grandpa saw it hard until he found the person he was looking for so he could invite him to church. You know what? Joe wasn't offended in the slightest. He was just out in the back and working on something. He searched hard until he found them. Some of you need to witness to someone or you need to give to someone or you need to serve to someone. Thank you, Melissa. You need to do those things, but you give up too quickly. Anybody else here that gives up too quickly? Come on, be honest. Right? Again, what an amazing, amazing thing that Onesiphorus looked until he found him. He didn't quit on him. So the message is really simple. Can the Lord count on you? Can he count on you? Let me give you this final illustration tomorrow. This morning will be dismissed. This is from John MacArthur. He says, I learned a vital spiritual lesson while participating in a track meet during my college years. I was running the 4 by 400 meter relay at the Orange County Invitational. <clears throat> Our strategy was simple. The first runner, a speedy sprinter, would get as big a lead as possible right out of the starting blocks. My job was merely to run a clean lap without dropping the baton. Our third man and fourth man could make up whatever ground I might lose. So our first man ran a great leg, and he made a perfect baton pass, and I managed to finish my lap in a tight battle for first place. The third man went around the curve, came halfway down the back stretch, and he stopped, and he walked off, and he sat down in the grass, and the race kept going. We thought he'd pulled a hamstring or he twisted an ankle, and we all ran across the infield, expecting to find him writhing on the grass or at least wincing in pain, but he wasn't. He was sitting passively. So we anxiously asked him, what happened? Are you hurt? He said, no, I'm okay. I just didn't feel like running. My teammates and I responded with the same thing. You can't do that. Do you realize the effort we have all put into training for this? You are not in this by yourself. John MacArthur says, I've often thought about that moment in relation to our duty as believers. We're supposed to take the truth that was handed to us by our ancestors in the Christian faith and run with it, not aimlessly, but always pressing on toward the goal so we can hand off the faith intact and uncorrupted to the next generation. Today, hear this out. <laughs> Do you realize today that you are not in this by yourself? That means two things, right? First, it means that there are people counting on you but it also means there are people pulling for you. When you're on lap nine of 10 and you're all out of gas and you don't think you can make it, guess who's along the sidelines? You can make it, you can make it. I wish my mom was here. She's the greatest cheerleader in the world, right? You can do it, you can make it, right? And that's what we're doing for one another. You're not in this by yourself, but also it does mean you're not in this by yourself. And when you don't do your part, what does that do to the rest of the team, right? Hopefully that gives you some hope and some accountability. We need to be in this thing together. So very simply today, as we close up, how can you help a brother or sister this week? Where can you search until you find them? That the Lord would use them and use you in the process. Let's stand. Thank you so much for your attention and your time this morning. Again, today, as we think through this passage, I, I want you to be in prayer as we, as we close here in prayer this morning. Truth matters, right? In a world we live in that really wants to shove that away, I'm challenging you, you stand for truth. Do it in faith and with love, just like Paul said, okay?
okay? Not to be cruel without either one of those things, but truth matters. And maybe this week there's a context where you're going to have to take a stand, and you need to take that stand in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus, but you need to do that. Second thing today you need to pray about is are you guarding what was entrusted to you? I know you know what's in your checking account, but do you know the gift that God has given you, and are you fanning that into flame so it can be used for the Lord every day? Are you guarding what's been given to you? Maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your resources, maybe it's your time. Are you guarding those things? And then finally, can we count on you today? Right? Pygelus and Hermogenes, they were gone. When Paul needed the most, they were gone. They were ashamed. But Onesiphorus, he said, I'm going to look until I find him, and I'm going to refresh him. This week, there's probably somebody either in our church or in your neighborhood or in your workplace or in your family that they need some refreshing. They need somebody to look hard until they're found. And you pray today that the Lord would guide you to that person that you could really be an encouragement to them this week, all right? Let's, let's go to the Lord and pray.